the same morning we came through a pretty nasty fog bank going up the mountain. He backs up and he starts getting his antlers and he goes wham and he's like tamping his antlers. And when he did that, those four cows came at a 100 yard dash pace and ran right in there and then the cows start fighting over it. And he went over and hid behind a tree and that bull just took his antlers and grabbed that tripod and camera and flung it and then started wrestling with the tripod. And that bull is running right at me. And I'm like, oh no, what am I gonna do? And that bull, at, you know, he veered off. Oh, I, I, I've I, seen that happen spring break at uh, Daytona Beach. <laughs> During the rut, you just really gotta watch yourself. Welcome to Wild and Exposed, your wildlife photography and outdoor adventure podcast. This episode, we're changing it up. Last episode, get this, as you know, Three of us and one guest were all in one truck in central Alaska on a rainy afternoon, having a good conversation, fogging up the windows. Today, we're at the polar opposite of that recording. Why? Because Missy, our producer, is in Colorado. Ron is in Wyoming. Doug is in South Carolina. Mike is in Anchorage, Alaska. And hold on to the fort. I'm in Newfoundland, Canada. Can you get to the four corners of North America and do one podcast? We're proving that you can. What a, what a man. Going from a fogged up truck where we felt like brothers from other mothers <laughs> to the opposite extremes <laughs> of the continent. It seems like we a are long having, time ago that we did that podcast in the truck. And we're going to prove that we can have as much fun apart as we can together holding hands in the truck. <laughs> So today's podcast, we're going to do an exciting follow-up because I had to bail on Alaska. I was there for 10 days, if I remember correctly, and Mike and Ron and Missy were going to st stick around for, well, Mike's still there. How's that fair? For another week, I think, or several days anyway, I had to fly home for less than 24 hours, try to remind my wife what I looked like before flying off again. And being in arriving in Newfoundland 24 hours later, that was an epic journey. And there's a story to tell with that. As far as airline stories, I have one. I don't know if I can tell it right now or whether we should jump into this. I, actually, I'm going to spin it. Guess what happened? So, you know, I pack my bags. Everything's good. I'm flying domestic. I'm flying out of Toronto to Deer Lake, Newfoundland. Easy, right? It was a direct flight. 9 a.m. departure, 1 p.m. arrival, perfect, so I can drive through moose country without slamming into these any of these huge animals in the dark. So I get to the airport two hours and 15 minutes early, and I get in line, and there's a huge delay. Sunday morning, you'd think the airline would know how many people to expect. All kinds of people missed their flights that morning, including myself. So I got bumped to a 6 p.m. flight was the only other one. Deer Lake is not a major hub, let me tell you that. So not many planes going in. I got bumped to 6 p.m., arrive in Deer Lake at midnight. Thankfully, the rental car company was open till 2 a.m. I called ahead of time. So I got there at midnight, and I'm in Newfoundland to do two different assignments. I had one week assignment for one company, and I'm about to start another assignment for a second company. Well, this first assignment began at daybreak. I was the sole photographer for one week for this project. So I had to drive from Deer Lake at midnight to my destination 
near St. Anthony, right at the very, very top of Newfoundland, or as people here call it, the rock, which would normally take four and a half hours, but I did it at night while I was dodging, count it, seven moose, one black bear, three foxes, one snowshoe hare, and one cat. Jeez. I didn't hit any of them, thankfully, but by the time I rolled into the lodge that I was staying at, I was toast. I was done. I just told them that if they needed me, you know, bang on my door. Otherwise, I'd see them at lunchtime. All thanks to a delay at the airport, which if they just sped it up by 20 minutes, wouldn't have happened. Anyway, disappointing well, what start. What causes that delay? It was just too many people to check in. They didn't have, they had three kiosks open and there had to be 250 people trying to get through. Jeez. So, so one lady was, I mean, people started chanting. I didn't because I'm a polite guy, <laughs> but there were probably a dozen people that were starting to chant, get more help, get more help. One lady serious? yeah, had two connections through to Seattle, I think it was, and she was going on her Alaska cruise and they simply told her, you can't, you're not going to make your connections. Therefore, you're not making your Alaska cruise. Have a good day. Anyway, Jeez. that was the beginning of the trip, but it's been an awesome trip and that is going to be next week's podcast but we're going to dial it back to alaska because i am dying to hear what happened after i left and to let the cat out of the bag a little bit i've seen some teaser photos and it's good stuff so i wish i'd been able to stick around longer with you guys tell us how, how did it go down after i left everything just came together or how was it i'm pretty sure it was the the morning after you left uh we got a we finally had a good moose show up in a in a real good spot in a real good light uh he was a good bull he was kind of coming from down on the river bottom working his way back up to the mountain back up to the flats where we kept seeing these moose and areas where we couldn't go but this bull he kind of just came right into the light the whole way it had a beautiful background you know the the nice tundra snow-capped mountains in the background and uh, and he was a respectable bull. He wasn't definitely not the biggest we saw, but he was a very respectable bull. And then he he crossed and started to go up the mountain and continued to, to maintain that track right into the good light. And we were able to kind of trail along with him and just had a, had an awesome shoot with that so bull. Shooting the zoom in that situation? Yeah, definitely. Cloudy yeah, light? Or... And there was uh, the other bull that we had in a good, good location. I was stuck with the 600 and just kind of had to take one I got. This I one was I there then. Sure. Yeah, I know you were. I remember that you, I remember you shaking your head. Oh, I would never <laughs> do that. I was, I was smiling and I was nodding. That's what I was doing. I was like, nice big lens, Ron. Nod, nod. <laughs> yeah, but this guy, I definitely had the zoom. So you could, you know, you could do that, that tight portrait and then you could zoom out, get those, use that, take advantage of the nice backgrounds that were available and the environment that he was in to get some more environmental shots. And yeah, it was, it was just a great setup, but the whole thing probably only lasts about five minutes and then it was over. He was off into the timber back toward the area where we'd been seeing all the, or all the moose activity before. Sorry, I'm back in Wyoming. I got elk on the brain. I'll probably say that a couple of times. <laughs> well, what was How the weather about, like, Ron? That morning it was, it was cool, but it was, uh, it was clear. If I remember right, I'm pretty sure it was the same morning we came through a, 
pretty nasty fog bank going up the mountain. And then uh, once we got on top, it cleared off and had run into uh, a cow in real good light before that. And then right when I got done shooting the cow, uh, this this bull just started heading right to our location. So it was uh, it was fortuitous that morning for sure. Cool. Yeah, and I, you know, I think overall you didn't miss anything, Mark. I mean, oh, there was that, right? that encounter that that Ron had, which was really good. I Missy and I missed it. We were somewhere else at the time and never found that. And then. What I think the problem was is it was just too sunny. It was just too nice. That whole last week, it it was... Well, I, in fact, so Missy and I and her granddad, who was with us along for the ride, just to check it, everything out, we came back to Anchorage. When was it, Ron? We came back earlier than we thought we were going to. So yeah. all Couple, of us came back. Yeah, Three days early. Yeah, And then we decided, okay. let's go try to find some moose somewhere else. You know, there's tons of moose all around the Anchorage area, you know, within 20 miles. So we thought we're not missing anything here. Let's just head down there and see what we can find. So that's what we all did. And, and even that it was still sunny. I mean, we just had basically, you'd have two hours in the morning to shoot and and then two or three hours at night to shoot, but it was, it was hot. It was, that was it. Yeah. What were the temperatures? Yeah. What were the temperatures? We were in the seventies. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. yeah getting see, back to getting back to Anchorage, it was really warm. Up, you know, up north, it was still in the fifties in the middle of the day, but it was sunny and everything was just bedding down early. Yeah, that's the thing about large mammals. You know, they start they start experiencing heat stress at forty two degrees. Yeah, you know, a large large animal like that with that much fur on him. Um, you know, they, so that really only gives you about 30 minutes in the morning after sunrise before they start laying down in, in temperatures like that. So I'm surprised you had, you had the luck you did. Well, Ron was pretty, uh, he really wanted to try to get some caribou before we came back to Anchorage. So Missy and I came back early and Ron stuck around to get caribou and actually found some caribou out there. That's, but the yeah. problem was, is again, it's the weather. You get that sun beating down on that tundra and you start getting the heat waves. So then right. if you're shooting at more than 50 yards, you're just gonna have these heat waves going through your pictures and it just doesn't work out. So he was able to, or I guess you should tell that story, Ron, but you did find stuff, it just wasn't worth yeah. it. Yeah, I walk, it, to get to the area where the caribou were, it's, about four miles up there. So I walked back up and I found a nice bull that was bedded, um, up, up on top of the mountain, which is we, I think Mark, you found one up there, but the rest of us, nobody else had seen anything up that high. So I did, uh, I got a couple shots of that bull and then I kept pushing on to where the caribou were, I had my fill of blueberries one more time while I was up on the tundra. And then uh, I did find a bull that was kind of skylined and was able to get in a position where I could photograph him. But he was staying just out of just out of range. I mean, the closest I got was about 100 yards and got several images. I I felt stable. uh, So I don't think that was the issue. I think it was the thermals. Definitely, because it, it was definitely, you know, by the time I found him, I think it was about 11 o'clock. Um, 
so it was really warming up and it had been a frosty morning. So you've got some of that evaporation and you got, you know, that air just coming up the mountain as it warms up. So I, I didn't get any images that I was really happy with. I mean, it was nice environmental. The tundra was awesome. But as I looked at it, you know, you get in, throw it, you don't know until you get it on the computer. When I threw it in one-to-one, it's just nothing sharp. And I was shooting at two thousandth of a second. There was plenty of light. So I felt confident about, you know, the stability of the camera and the shutter speed that I was able to shoot at. But when I got back and looked at it, yeah, I just, I wasn't happy with any of them. So it was unfortunate, but I did get, you know, one more caribou opportunity and one more caribou encounter. And that's, you know, obviously one of the reasons you go up there. And I got, you know, eight, nine more miles in that day. So all was good. (laughs) So this is, that was due to heat waves. This distortion that prevented you from getting the images you wanted. Yeah. And And I mean, you can tell because... When you're looking at your image, especially when you look at it in one-to-one, if your subject is out of focus, you're going to have something either in front of it or behind it that's going to be in sharp focus. So, you know, like you missed it with your focus point or whatever. But there was nothing in focus in this whole image. And you could see, you know, kind of the lines rising, Hmm. um, kind of the waves rising. So, yeah. It was definitely, and you know, he was, he was out there a hundred to 150 yards at some times. I did find out one thing though. Caribou are a lot like antelope. I took my, he, he was kind of keeping, he had a little bit bigger bubble than some of the animals had had that we'd been photographing earlier. So he kept kind of a, you know, about a hundred yards distance between us. That's as close as he got. So I just, something that we try with pronghorn antelope in Wyoming is if you have something white, they'll get curious and they'll come to look at it. And this caribou had a real white mane and several of the bulls that we had seen up there did as well. So I just took my vest and turned it inside out. Flash some skin? I did. I gave him some skin <laughs> and it got him curious. Little that Irish, the Irish white? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, just taking my hat off wasn't enough. I had to turn the vest inside out too. So I bet you he came running. <laughs> he didn't quite get inside that fifty yard range, but he did he did close the distance quite a bit. You know, mm-hmm. I've heard that on this trip and I had been told before and forgotten it. And I've never tried it with caribou on the barren grounds or the mountain caribou. Never thought to try it. And the people here in Newfoundland, this is next week's podcast, but we're gonna got to touch on this we're saying the same thing put on a white shirt flash it pull out a bag you know and i've been recording some shorts and i'm saying i've got some secrets some tips and that was one of them so it worked up there too yeah yep for sure hack. caribou hack yeah. yeah yeah we've done it with white-tailed deer in kansas and it definitely works yeah. no kidding you, you weren't the opposite for whitetails because it's a flash like a you know, a warning thing where it's but caribou. It, all, it depends on how you do it. You know, if it's kind of just a side to side little little toss of the hat. That's why I use turn my hat inside out and kind of toss it back and forth a little bit. And that is actually a um, a sign of contentment when when a white tail standing in there and he'll just kind of wiggle his tail back and forth. It's when they raise that tail completely up uh, and fluff it out. That's just sign of alert. And you can't just flash up your shirt because you're in South Carolina and you've got the tan going. That's so exactly right. Hat. It's farmer's yeah. tan, so, you know. 
Oh, he flashed a bicep then. Hey, back uh, and forth. I wanted to touch you, on one thing left. with those uh, heat waves. Oh, and yeah. Doug, you can speak to this. I mean, for stills, it's horrible. Yep. But for video, sometimes that plays into the storyline too, right? Because the whole story about this last week we were there was the heat. So, and not that we'd use a ton of it, but when you shoot video through those heat waves, you actually see the heat waves. You know, Ron was mm -hmm. saying you see those lines because it's all frozen in a still, but in the video, you'll actually see that heat waves coming up. So you could have that be part of the storyline, which is kind of cool. You know, it still works, but like I said, it would just be little bits and pieces to help you tell that story. Yeah, it would have been nice if somebody with a video camera would have climbed up there with me. <laughs> hey, but if I if I hadn't have been on assignment, I would have been right there with you guys. You know it, but uh, well, I'm, I'm kicking myself that I wasn't able to make it. Yeah, well, we put this trip together too too close to when we had all this go down. But next year, I think we'll all be up here. Yeah, and that, you know, there was a grizzly bear up there, um, and I was by myself. So they're rounded a corner. And there was a sow and sow and a cub, and they were, you know, a good 150, 200 yards off. So I had seen those bulls earlier, so I went back to where they were at, decided to uh, cut the jaunt a little bit short. Um, the bears were not photographable at all. The foliage was way too tall. Yeah. They were just not in a good spot. So did went you have back your bear spray? Find the, I did, yeah. I had Mike's bear spray, actually. I didn't have any of my own. Mark, you missed the best hack of the trip, though. Spin it. What did what I miss? You, so when we went, actually, it was your last morning, right, when we went after that bull in the woods, in the timber? Yeah. Or was that morning before last? So I don't remember. We got, oh, yes, yeah, the wet morning when we got yeah, soaked. Got yeah, soaking right. wet. Yes. So And you can go on. Um, Mike and I recorded a a YouTube post on this as well, just to kind of show it, but I couldn't figure out how to get my boots dry. And I was trying to, trying to put them under the floor heater. And you know, when you're in the North, you got to adapt and overcome, right? So I got a piece of flex tube and I cut a hole out of the top of the flex tube. So you got two legs that were hanging down and I duct taped it up into the floor heater and then ran my boots in both of those legs in about four hours it was dry sweet That's bomb. and yeah. it was yeah. it was soaking wet i mean there was three quarters of an inch of water standing in the boot so mike and missy can attest to that same oh, yeah. here I, my hike my hiking boots are still in ontario and and i'm concerned they're still wet <laughs> damn but that hack is so good that this podcast is over <laughs> yeah that Make Seriously. sure you see the make sure you see the video. Yeah, we did a whole video okay. on it, so it'll be it'll be a good one. It's Very a, it's cool. An ingenious idea. He was going to this to uh, you had to go get gas or something too, right? So you went up to this little yeah. town and he had envisioned all these PVC pipe connections and he had this real elaborate set, oh, yeah. you know setup in his mind, and then he shows back up with this little piece of tubing and it was perfect. And I've got it here in Anchorage in the garage, so now we'll just make it a part of our uh, a part of our travels. Kit. Part of the part of the arsenal. Once you've once you've made it, you watch the YouTube video, the how to, and then you make it at home. It's lightweight, it's cheap. Throw it in your pack, right? Yep. Yeah. And absolutely. and duct tape in the pipe. I mean, the piping. It's probably that articulated piping, right? Is it that yep. you can yeah. draw? 
easy enough to get that like so you can get down into oil the... line yep oh i see okay so you get like yep. feed it right down into the bottom of the boot absolutely the boot the boot the boot the boot but missy our producer in alaska got one of the shots of the trip if not the shot of the trip experience wise what happened tell us how exciting was that it was really exciting. I was driving down the road and I saw this guy pointing his camera down toward the bushes. And I'm thinking, you know, you see a lot of people taking pictures of the blueberries and stuff like that. So I didn't think a lot about it. And all of a sudden I noticed a lynx and I slammed on my brakes and jumped out of the truck. Um, it's a wonder I didn't let the truck just roll down the road. <laughs> I have never jumped out of a car so fast in my life, but I just saw the female cat at first, and then all of a sudden these two little kittens pop out. And um, they sat there for a good five minutes and let us take their picture. So it was pretty cool. That's incredible. Yeah, they were little kittens. I only saw one kitten at first. The other one was hiding behind its mom, and all of a sudden it jumped up on its mom's back and peeked its head right over her head and so it was a great picture i got the little one on top of the mom's back and the other one sitting next to her and yeah it turned out awesome (laughs) and it was in focus so that was that was the icing on the cake because i was a little nervous (laughs) it wasn't it wasn't just a picture of a lynx though i mean there's lynx are not super tall i mean they're tall for a cat long legs for their size, but the, those shrubs in the tundra, the the blueberries and the I don't know what the next tallest level is before the alders, but it's a lot taller than you think, and it's more tangled than you think. So those cats can disappear. I mean, two steps and they're gone. So it wasn't just that you got the image. Those things were in this nice opening, and the light was perfect. I mean, you yeah, got they had shot. they had the color all around them red, yellow, oranges, everything around them. And the mom in a couple of my images was behind an alder. But you can see her eyes. Her eyes were still sharp coming right through. And the kittens, um, they were out in the open. So it turned turned out really good. No, Mark and I were up somewhere else. Missy was cruising around with her granddad in in our truck. And then Mark and I were... I don't know where we were at, up the road, just like probably drinking Perrier or something. I had my 91-year-old grandfather French. with me. I brought him last year hunting caribou, but and he had never seen a lynx. So that was pretty cool. He got to see that also. Very cool. You know, I've been That's talking nice. to a lot of locals around Anchorage, and everybody's commenting on the number of lynx. So they're saying it's just on the upswing now, and so the next year or two should be really good for lynx all across South Central and Southeast Alaska. So well, there was, yeah, there was hares everywhere. Yeah, I mean, even hairs. even when we came back south, there were a ton of hares that we saw. Snowshoe several. hares, right? Snowshoe hares, yes. Okay. We talked to several people around the area, and there was quite a few people that saw lynx. Supposedly, there was somebody else that saw lynx with five kittens. Wow. Yeah. So mm-hmm. hopefully. You know, I saw one earlier here in Anchorage this summer. So, I mean, you can go years without seeing a lynx, and then all of a sudden you start seeing them around, not every corner, but just where I've been photographing moose, there's a popular trail that people just hike up to go 
just to a vista and some guy saw one up there on top yesterday so you never know i mean uh you know as you know doug with video it's almost impossible at least with stills you can hop out of the truck and got a shot you know with video we have to set up a tripod we have to turn on the camera which takes 45 seconds so it's almost impossible but at least with that number of links their chances are there where you could actually be out shooting something else and a link shows up yeah there's nothing quick about video uh that's you know that was the biggest thing that i noticed when I made the shift from stills to video was that with video, you really have to put a lot of forethought into what you're going to do. And because, because, you know, video is so cumbersome, it's heavier. It's, there's more time preparation time for, for everything you do. So, you know, a lot of times it's go sit, wait, or, you know, go to a, with an educated guess of what, what may happen. Uh, but, you know, those quick grab shots, usually that if you get something like that, if you're fortunate enough, it's because you are already there set up waiting on something else. Exactly. Exactly. And as more and more people shoot video, that's just something to keep in mind that mm-hmm. it's just hard to get. But with the DSLRs, you can actually, you know, still do the same thing you do with the still where you just point the camera out, hit video and go. But, you know, it's going to be handheld. But with the image stabilized lenses and you know, maybe a beanbag on the window, you still stand a decent chance to get some good video. Anyway, that Lynx was cool. Uh, the Her pictures are awesome. We'll put them in the show notes. And uh, actually, I think you've put up a picture on Instagram already of them. So if somebody wants to check it out, they can go to your Instagram feed at Castaway Gal, right? Yes, it's at Castaway Gal. That's an amazing photo. Yeah, Thank is. you. One of those lucky moments, and and not only the lucky moment, I can tell you there's so many, even on this trip, I've had lucky moments that were not captured on film or on digital sensors. They're just on my retina, and I can describe it, but I can't show it to you. Missy can describe it, and she can show it to you. Well, you know, links just, they just (laughs) don't stay around very long, so I was just happened to be in the right place at the right time, so I got lucky. But it's, it's so awesome and exciting and rewarding when that happens because so frequently we're not lucky oh yeah you couldn't wipe the smile off my face for two days i know (laughs) i didn't care if i got anything else morning we were hiking for this moose and we were saturated because the foliage was covered in water and like ron was saying our boots were full of water missy's still grinning ear to ear i don't know if she'd taken many pictures of that moose so it wasn't attributed to that I just pointed at her. I'm like, it's the Lynx, isn't it? It's like, yes. Yeah, As it I should really, be. I'm really happy about those images for sure. We got great horned owls also, which I have never seen. So it was awesome for me to be able to capture those. We saw three of them all in the same area. And so between those and the Lynx, I walked away pretty happy with what I had. And the owls were in great color too, fall foliage, right? Yeah, they were sitting right in an aspen tree. Did you post wow. that as well? I've seen it. I Somebody... did. Yeah, okay. I put one on the Wild and Exposed Instagram feed. All right. So they'll be in the show notes at wildandexposed.com on our WE podcast page under today's podcast. But they'll also be on the Instagram feed, so you can see those there. That was the other thing I got while we were still north. I had only, you know, while we were there, we had all been sitting at a pullout. And I saw my first northern hawk owl. Um, had never seen one before. 
but it was it was way out there, not photographable. But you know, at least I got to see one, so I could say that. And then uh, I was actually headed to the west, driving right into the sun, and I saw this little flash kind of go down and then shoot up toward a tree. And I just thought, yeah, that's got to be a hawk owl. It's not flying like a raven, you know. Um, so I looked, and it was about eight feet off the ground and it was about eight feet away from the road so i stopped jumped out with my camera kind of the same thing missy was describing was excited and uh several people stopped and asked me where the where the moose was i told them there was there was no moose and pointed the camera up i got finally some good clean images of a northern hawk owl as well so yeah that there were some little bonus moments for sure that's with the 600 yeah that's that's why you brought that 600. That's why wasn't I brought it? the 600. And yes. Right on. So good. All right. Mm -hmm. That worked out. I don't know why I brought the tripod, though, because I shot the 600 handheld. Oh. <laughs> oh. Impressive. Well, they're, We've they're seen those birds. guns. We, we know you can, you can hold it. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. There's, there's issues that go along with that. But yes. <laughs> So Central Alaska had its slow moments this year, but it also had its highlight reel. So we had some great quality shoots, right? We can reflect mm -hmm. back on the dull sheep. We had some good caribou, not the quantity we expected, mm -hmm. and but some good ones. And then some moose, same scenario, a few good shoots, not the quantity, but some quality shoots. And then you guys, because of the warm weather, headed south to try some other opportunities, which... I know at least one of you is hitting out of the park right now. Yeah, we found a good place yeah. to go, and Ron and I and Missy hiked in a couple of times. Now, one thing I will say about this place, it's a hike. It's a lot of work to get in there, and especially when you're doing video. Like you said earlier, Doug, packing video around is it's not a lot of fun, but it's not man, a lot of fun. <laughs> when you get it, you it's all makes it all worth it when you get that shot, but uh, I in the last three days I've done 11 miles every day of of hiking. So you just end up burning up the miles. And part of it is you could hike in and you could stay there all day. But these moose are bedding down, and so then they just lay there all day. So it's like okay, well I could either hike back out and go do something for two or three hours, four hours, then come back in, hike back in, and that's what I've been doing. Like so, a podcast. Yeah, like coming out for a podcast for sure. Today. you're So you're doing a podcast between moose shoots. Yeah. I'm five and a half hours ahead of you here in Newfoundland. I'm ready to go to bed Yeah, in a it, motel in this harbor town. It's dark up there and up where you're at. And where I'm at, I'm still going to yes. go shoot after we're done. Not fair. Not fair. All right. <laughs> I'll be texting you when I get up tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be showing you the the woodland caribou that I'm photographing. You better you better put your plane your uh, phone on airplane mode tonight. Yeah, but cool. Yeah. I'm I'm happy I'm happy for you. But the fact that you did 11 miles, I mean, I do that with my pack, and it feels like my pack's 40 pounds or 50. I know it's not. I know I'm exaggerating, but I know I'm not carrying a red and I'm not carrying a tripod. So you did that with all the heavy gear. So, yeah. you know, I did pare down on the lens. I've been going with a. 80 to 200 and not the 200 to 400 but you can get in within a reasonable distance and then i've got the crop factor going from 8k to 4k and so you get a little bit of crop factor that 
that makes up for it. And what I find with moose, especially right now, is these moose are pretty active. They're really into the rut. So you get a situation where you'll have a bull, but then a bull will do something, and then here come the cows. So you don't want to be shooting tight, tight, tight anyways, because you're going to miss all this other action. We had, um, when Ron was still here, we went up and we had, oh, we had a great situation where a, a bull was making a rut pit. And you might mm -hmm. explain that better than anybody, Mark, but essentially these bulls will create an area where they start digging and then they pee in this hole and then they dig more and then they keep Gross. doing that. And then they'll, that will attract the cows. And so then the cows come running in and they're whining and moaning and, and they're still not ready to mate, but it's part of that whole process as they're going through the mating season. And I was able to document some of that on, on film, which was kind of cool. And Ron and Missy actually saw that as well. Yeah. And the, the sequence that you got with that even went a step further, right? Yeah. So, uh, I was sitting there one day and I think Ron and Missy had cruised around to another area. Cause I'm not sure if you guys actually saw it, but there were several bulls running around. There was one great big one, but then there was a couple of little ones and these little ones were just as cool as the big one, as far as shooting for me for video for video too. That, and Doug, you can speak to this is, you know, a lot of times with stills, you're always going after the biggest bull, right? Or the prettiest light for video. We can use everything. You want to shoot right. the cows, you want to shoot the calves, you want to shoot grass floating in the air, you want to shoot all these little elements that help to tell that story, more so than what I used to do with stills. When, with me, with stills, it was always like, just I just want the biggest bull, and I want that cover right. shot, and that's it. So Ron and Missy ran off to get another bull, or do something, I don't even know where they went, and then I stayed. We got lost in the alders. <laughs> <laughs> one of really? us got more you, one of us got more too. loss than the other yeah, a little bit of the <laughs> yeah the moose and more so this is going to turn into a standoff podcast with the two still photographers and the two video photographers <laughs> as much as i appreciate the skill set required to do the video i have to say we do want those scenic images too and little bulls and the no, and, and I'm just saying for me, I used to just, just focus. I used to down. be tunnel vision with, with stills. Yeah. I would just be after that sure. one shot. And, you know, and it's hard to move around. With but you're too. right. Yeah. You know, yeah. once I mean, I'm planted and once I have my, my tripod leveled, a lot of times I don't want to move because it's another 30 seconds if I'm moving to somewhere else, get it leveled and get ready to get yeah, shooting again. So a lot of times I'll just stay. I, that's the point I was trying to make. I just stay in one position once I'm set up and, and Ron and Missy had went around to try to get something else while I'm waiting there. This bull is starting this rut pit and then he's doing his thing and these cows immediately pick up on it. And while he's doing it, these cows dive right in, they dive underneath the bull and then they lay right underneath that bull when he's sitting there trying to make his, his little rut pit. It's, it's incredible behavior. And just yesterday I saw it even better than that. There was a bull, a smaller bull, and he started this rut pit and there were four cows nearby. So he went in there and he dug this hole and he's peeing in it and then he, he dig a little bit more. And the cool thing with video is you see this dirt flying out from behind him and and I'm sitting there thinking, I should be on slow-mo because you see in slow-mo of this 
dirt flying out would be kind of cool. But then I didn't want to switch because I knew it takes time and I didn't want to take that time. So I just kept rolling on it. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's part of nature, but I think some people are going to think it's just this whole process is gross. What these, what these bulls are doing. <laughs> no, but... I, I, I've seen that happen. Spring break break at uh, Daytona beach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It, it could happen. So you know, people people can relate, and it's very, it's very cool behavior, man. That's so epic to capture that. These bulls, this bull's digging, and then he's flinging this dirt out, and he's peeing in it just a little bit, and then he would fling more dirt out. And I guess when he gets to the point where he's happy with whatever he just did, then he really pees in it. You know, he'll pee for. 20 30 40 seconds i mean he's just full-on stream into this thing then after that he backs up and he starts getting his antlers and he goes wham and he's like tamping his antlers and when he did that those four cows came at a 100 yard dash pace and ran right in there and then the cows start fighting over it and there's these cows with their ear pinned back and one's fighting another cow and the other cow tries to sneak i mean it was just just all this activity was pretty incredible to just to sit and witness. And then at that point too, I'm probably 50 yards away, but these cows start running at each other and 50 yards, they can cover in no time flat. So then you're yeah. sitting on eggshells, you know, you're like, are they coming towards me? And then this was a littler bull that did this. There was a great big monster bull just over the little ridge. Well, he heard all this, and so he comes, and then he chases off this other bull, and that bull is running right at me. And I'm like, oh, no, what am I going to do? <laughs> and that bull, at, you know, he veered off and went around me, but within probably 20 yards, but enough to get my attention because I've heard during the rut, you just really got to watch yourself. And with video, too, you just can't pick up and move. Like yeah. with the still camera, you just put it on your shoulder and go, hide behind a tree or whatever but so i've really been trying to watch myself because you just can't put yourself in that really weird position yeah it's easy to get yourself in trouble when when you're doing the video world uh, because the sheer weight of it all yeah um like you say you don't just throw it on your shoulder and run you throw it on your shoulder but you're not gonna run too fast that's for sure so i heard a story the other day too about a guy that was photographing in the same area and he had a 600 on a tripod and same, you know, I don't know if it was the same. I wasn't there. It was just heard of the story, but a bull came out. He left his tripod and his camera right there. And, and he went over and hid behind a tree and that bull just took his antlers and grabbed that tripod and camera and flung it and then started wrestling with the tripod. <laughs> so it's not, you don't want to leave a red camera sitting out there for no. a bull just to come. You know, so I've been looking at my camera like, okay, so if I quick release this plate, I can at least <laughs> grab the camera. I don't know. I, you know, the, the key to the whole deal is I'm just not putting myself that close. Yeah. That's, that's the only, you know, and that's respectful to the wildlife too. You don't want to get in so close that you're, it's an uncomfortable situation. Right. And I'm, I miss that. I didn't get it because I was picking Missy up in the middle of the alders. So, I dropped yeah. something. <laughs> Herself. Come on, tell us, tell us, tell us. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just dropped something and decided that I would try to pick it up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. no, my foot got stuck under the alders. 
the roots and everything and my toe just caught it just right and I'm trying to protect my camera I didn't want the lens to get scratched or whatever from all the bushes because we it was thick so it was like slow motion falling down and then my leg was underneath me and I couldn't get up <laughs> so Ron had to hike his way back over to me and help me it was a familiar sight, Mark. I'm gonna say. Except... I, 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 I wasn't. I wasn't gonna say it. I was. I was, I was... biting my tongue, but I figured that I, I wouldn't. I was just on the opposite end of that issue at that time. You know, yeah. I, I never realized, Ron, that your that your calves were so muscular as when I tried to help you out of that bind there. But yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not easy. That was on a sheep hike. Through that stuff, carrying your camera and trying to hurry and. It's tough. It's a challenge for sure. But I'm I'm excited about that footage. I mean, that's that's as far as moose behavior to get a wallow pit and the cows, I mean, and they're moaning, they're calling. That should be phenomenal footage. And and from what I've seen from the photos that you've captured this week, Mike, just the colors popping perfectly too, right? Yeah, and I will say the color down here is is at peak. So when we were up north, the the color was peaking up there, but when you moved down south towards Anchorage, it was still green, what, a week? Two, not green, but it was kind of moving towards fall. But now we're, we're right in the middle of fall and the colors are just popping. I spent a couple hours filming moose, but then I spent about an hour picking blueberries. I came back home well, like full of blueberries. So they're good there as well. Yeah, yeah, just chock full. I just keep waiting for a bear in this area there's bound to be some I, Ron and I saw a black bear when he was here up there on the mountain but I haven't yeah, seen any bears way high. yet yeah way way high I'm sure just going after the blueberries so yeah so it's, it's been a good trip I think we found some new places that the more we time I spend around Anchorage the more time we can become familiar with these areas and then we can you know Doug sent me a text earlier about another place to look for uh, moose crossing a river you talk with locals and they'll say, oh, did you see this over here or did you see this over here? And so I just keep investigating more and more of these areas that mm -hmm. I think would be really fun places to shoot as, as we move forward. Yeah, I'm game. I, I have a lot more podcasts coming forward through the next year from Alaska, as well as many other places. But yeah, as you learn more up there, there's so much wildlife, so many destinations, a lot of places we can have fun as a group uh, individually to share on podcasts but as a group too hopefully we all kind of get invited now and then oh you're all invited yeah, at yeah. any time <laughs> <laughs> you guys all have I'm a combination just... to the door <laughs> i'm uh, anxious I, I wanna... to do uh, the, the muskox up there um, i'm learning more and more about you know where to go uh, film those guys and that's something that i've always wanted to do i mean you're looking at history when you're looking at one of those guys i mean you really are I would love to do the same thing. And, yeah. and I hear about certain locations and you can talk to other photographers and they'll say, oh, you got to go up on the Dalton Highway. And some people say, oh, no, you should fly in here. And it's just a matter of trying to figure out your best chances. Yeah. I've been uh, on Instagram. You can save images, right? So there are those people who put their location. And again, another podcast, I said, thank you. And so I'll save those that are of interest for the species and when the location's revealed, then I can refer to it later and open that saved photo album on Instagram. And I think it was just today or yesterday, somebody had posted a pair of muskox in a really nice scene and had given the location on their posting. And I hit save for that for future reference. So I, I would love the opportunity to, to film 
photograph musk ox just because of that feeling of being a, around an animal that just has that sense of prehistoric absolutely history right and and such a hardy beast in the far north too uh, so i'm on board let's let's do that yeah so maybe next year we need to plan what do you think july through october Mm, yeah yeah sure i'm game for november because i want to see the eagles too so okay so july yeah. through november we're yeah. all going to be pretty cozy and and very well aware of everybody's habits <laughs> over that period of time it'll, it'll be good it'll be fun that'll add okay. to the story you know uh, the story. just to touch on one other thing from a previous podcast when you when yeah, you and we i do? were down Don't working on some bear stuff for that that project we were working on the um and the missy and i went down we took our granddad down to hopefully see a bear you know because they say oh yeah there's bears running up and down the river right well we get down there and the river is lined with dead fish just dead yep. stinky salmon everywhere and then yep. there's the reds are running oh ron you were with us on that one too right yeah i was there yep so yep. It was pretty cool to get down there and see some of the the reds. I mean, they're just so worn out at this point that they're just barely moving along. But it was a cool chance just to see some of the salmon that you can that you can get. But they told us that there's yet one more run of silvers to come up from the river, so it it still could be kind of good as time moves forward. Did you see bears actually fishing? No, we didn't see when any bears there? at all. We we were hoping to see a bear because we wanted to show Missy's granddad, and then we even floated the another river down south uh, it was called the kasilov river we floated that to fish because her granddad wanted to fish for salmon nothing no bears at all i did see that i saw a sow black bear and two cubs clear on the opposite end and i did i i took the shot but i had just taken a shot of some fishermen and pointing back into the sun and this is i've done this a couple times in recent history but just get done taking that shot and then point it to where you think the light is going to be about the same because it was just a fleeting shot of these black bears and you're about a stop and a half underexposed. So I showed Mike and Missy and it's it's a completely, it looks like I had my lens cap on. The shot was that good. <laughs> so, but I did get back and you can, you can see the bears, but it's, you know, that's about it. It's probably just because they're black bears that you can't pull that out. If it was a different subject, maybe you could recover it from the raw a little bit better. Yeah, it was pretty underexposed. Okay. <laughs> it might have been more like four stops. I don't know. It's just a documentation photo. Yeah, yeah it was just proof well, that I actually saw bears down there. But yeah, it happens. It. it happens to everybody. You know, I there, there sure. was a whole bear trip, black bear trip I did once back in the film days that I botched by being off on exposure. And, you know, there was such a nightmare and uh, well, not a nightmare. It was such a hold your breath and anticipation kind of experience shooting slide films. When you did these big trips, you bracket, you know, try to cover your butt. And, you know, most of the time it worked out, thankfully. But digital now, it's that, it's fast in the sense that every time I turn around, like you're describing, to shoot in any even a subtle difference in light, I, you know, blast a couple quickly if the it doesn't matter if the animal's looking or whatever's going on right. and just try, try to make sure the exposure is dialed in close and then be ready first thing you know because I've, I've had that happen 
you know, even in the past couple of days, it's, it's unavoidable. You know, you, you're moving, you're shooting, the animals are moving, the light's changing, whether it's due to what's going on in the sky or just their angle of their body, whether they're shaded or not. And the, and the exposure jumps around. And then you look at them, you shoot 15 images you think are going to be fantastic, and they're over underexposed, hopefully slightly underexposed because that's easier to recover. But, you know, that's one of the amazing advantages of digital. We can look at that instantly and just get ourselves in position at that angle, check it, confirm it, and be ready to shoot with confidence and get the right exposure, enough so in RAW that we can, you know, make it work through yeah. the computer. Yep. But you can still have those situations like Ron had. I mean, I've had that with just the moose up here recently where, right. you know, you try to expose for the paddles that are white on top because you don't want mm -hmm. those to blow out totally. And then you turn around into a different light situation in the same place and you don't adjust right away. And you're like, oh, I just shot that underexposed. So, right. yeah. I'll I'm, tell you yeah. a little hack I've got for shooting animals that have any kind of reflective surfaces, whether it be the paddles of a moose that may have morning dew on them where they've been up in the trees or wet fur, say on an otter or either, either a wet skin of an alligator's back or a snake. I, and, and I do this with long lenses. I will actually use a drop-in circular polarizer, and I do it with video all the time. And even people don't think about using circular polarizers for wildlife. Uh, they think about only using it for scenics or landscapes, that kind of thing. But it works amazingly well for, for animals, you know, trying to cut those specular highlights off, uh, especially like you're talking about with the paddles on the, on the moose shining, reflecting more light than... Uh, then the dark fur works really well. That's a good, cool. good hack. If you're shooting a moose in, you know, in bright light for an hour, you could just leave that on there and just shoot that whole time. That's right. Good to know. And why I was describing it is it, is it, is it happens to everybody, no matter how, what sure. the experience level, yeah. it happens to everybody. You just keep shooting. You, you just like missing the opportunity, you know, visually, I had a moose yesterday that jumped up and ran in beautiful light. I didn't get any, any images of him. I have this visual. You know, it's it's just, I have to move on. I can't, you know, be upset about it. Can't be bummed out about it. Moving on, hopefully there's another opportunity. There's situations like that with our photography that we blow it for, yep. you know, whatever the settings might be. Move on. You know, keep shooting. Keep persevering. It will work out. You'll have another opportunity or something magical as you persist that way. So that's what I was saying. It and as far as as the things blowing out and that hack with the with the polarizer, that that's awesome. And will it work for an Irishman at, on the beach at uh, spring break? Absolutely, absolutely. Right. That's right. <laughs> Especially if they have have some sunscreen on on them. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. shine. That's the shine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, my, my, my cameras stay home uh, when I go to spring break. And in fact, you know, as young as I am, spring break's not permitted anymore either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Alaska, I mean, it was, it was great for all of us. We, we came out with ice. We have highlight images. I mean, Ron, I mean, I've been seeing your doll sheep on Instagram. You put one up today that was phenomenal. I mean, habitat, rocks, vista. Yeah. depth of field that was definitely the highlight of the of the alaska trip for me was at those hikes up the mountain and after the sheep and they're just they're a neat critter to look at number one and then the habitat that they live in and the fact that the tundra was changing color like it was and the color that we had you know the reds greens yellows it just that 
that for me was the highlight of the trip. Got some caribou in, in the changing tundra also that I haven't put up yet. Yeah, I I have no complaints. I came back with about 4,000 less images than I thought I would have. But I have no complaints about the ones that I did get. Good, good. And Mike, how much longer are you up there for? Are you... I'll be here till Saturday, so I've got a few more days of shooting. So awesome. I How can, close uh... are you to the... Oh, go ahead. This afternoon's light. Sorry. Oh, it's getting That's... pretty out there right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, people. Some of this podcast challenge, you know, when we're all sitting around a table with one another, which is what we prefer, we can read each other's body language and we don't chime in on each other. Some of that happens when we're on opposite coasts. It's all yeah. part of the fun and games. I keep looking at my watch saying, okay, so if I leave now, I can be there by like five which gives me two hours to shoot but i've got to hike in two miles so but i'll go if, even if i can get 15 minutes of light i'm gonna go yeah that's the images that you've been putting up that those are awesome it's, that, it's you so definitely up there right now definitely found the spot for sure yep so we'll all be up here next year and we'll be getting some killer stuff oh and Don't i do so want to say that uh I saw a preview of the one of the pieces of the doll sheep hike and it's people need to check that out. That whole, those shorts that are going to come out of the doll sheep uh, excursion that you two had. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a fun, interesting uh, set of shorts that people will really dig. Yeah. Tyler shared the first one. He's just fine tuning it a little bit and it's going to be an epic story because it encompasses our whole hike. Right from the beginning, our anticipation, what we expect, and we didn't know, you know, whether the weather was going to hold. We only had a few days left, or at least Tyler and I only had two or three days left in our trip, so we decided to go for it. And it easily could have been foiled by rain, but it worked out. We had a phenomenal afternoon, and Tyler documented it all along the way with videoing and and we were doing sh um, these shorts. So it's like a little storybook where each is a chapter. There'll probably be four shorts on that hike anyway and they're one to they're probably two minutes long each one to two minute one will be good for social media like instagram but they'll probably be hedged toward two minutes or so and that'll be on our youtube channel wild and exposed podcast and they'll also be able to link those through the we podcast page so when you listen to our audio podcast on the dull sheep hike you just go to wildandexposed.com if you haven't been there already click on the we podcast page for wild and exposed podcast and find that podcast below it. You'll see the, the show notes. You'll see the photographs we've talked about on that podcast or any podcast for that matter, but also these short stories. You can click there and it'll direct you right to the YouTube channel or you'll be able to watch them that way. And please take the time to subscribe and follow and give us a thumbs up five-star review. Showing us the love helps us to continue to do what we love to do week after week and bring these podcasts to you. And we're doing more and more all the time. And as you can tell right now, we're in totally different areas, uh, busily filming, doing assignments and collecting material and stories to share with you. And Tyler, specifically on this trip that we went to Alaska, documented a lot of this trip. So there's going to be caribou shorts coming. They're going to be doll sheep. They're going to be moose. Lots of fun antics and success stories. It was, it was an epic trip for quality. You know, we tried hard. There were a couple of hikes that didn't pan out, but at the end of the day, Things came together and worked, and you'll you'll want to see those because it was a lot of fun and rewarding to do, and 
and just to see the experience that we had it'll be like coming along with us that's what that's our goal is to make it feel like you're along with us and sharing information and, and our excitement with you as we experience it firsthand you've been listening to wild and exposed podcasts coming to you from colorado wyoming south carolina alaska and newfoundland on this very special edition thanks for tuning in <laughs>